0: I think we're all meant to learn something about our own life in the middle of all this.
1: When I can see the audience, I can see there's there's just there is an exchange of energy. I put the energy out, they receive it and they push it back to me and you can feel it in the air.
2: Last week I every single time the elevator opened, I would just kind of put my hand out and just Give some defensive body language like don't come in here like I want to be in the elevator alone. This week actually a couple times elevator doors open and somebody sees me they like back off themselves. So there's definitely been kind of an attitude change downtown.
3: Hi this is you and me and everyone we know. An audio diary made by everyday people living through the coronavirus pandemic. I'm Brent Love. And whether you're listening to this right now or you're a guest on this podcast, you are part of a community. You are not alone. Thank you for taking time to listen, time to connect, and time to remember that we're all in this together. In this episode, we're talking to Marion, Sunny, and Angela. Marion is a violinist and performer in the Texas Hill Country. Sunny is the founder and CEO of Fulcrum, a manufacturing software company in Minneapolis. And Angela is a humanitarian connector from Savage, Minnesota. Each share what their lives are like right now in a world changed by COVID-19. First up, we're talking to Marian. Marian is my sister-in-law who moved to Wimberley to deepen her connection to the music community in the heart of Texas. Before this crisis, her spring was booked with performances. When we talked last Tuesday, March 24th, she wasn't sure what the future looked like at all, but she was hopeful. Hello. Hello. Um, This is fun.
1: This is so fun.
3: Um, <laughs> uh, we uh, pretty much talk all the time, so now we're just talking in front of other people.
1: I know. Yeah. This is... and. I'm looking instead of at your face, I'm looking at a computer screen but this is fine this is great we can do it
3: yeah usually we're doing video calls, but this is uh the old podcast world and uh yeah, yeah this is that we're not doing a video here we're just uh talking uh to the people listening yeah yeah um so you know this whole project is kind of turning into like this kind of record of what's going on now it's like a kind of a crowd made diary and of what the, these days are like. Cause I don't know. I've never lived through anything like this before. So I want to ask you what these days are like for you right now.
1: Oh my gosh. These days are are filled with just, I'm I'm just completely unsure of what's going to happen next because do you trust the media? Do you this or that or that or this? I mean, I'll give a little backstory. I live in a little cabin in the woods by myself. So my day-to-day life really hasn't changed too terribly much, although my work has changed. But being in my house, it's all exactly the same. It's quite a bit lonely because it's just me all the time now. Yeah. Yeah.
3: So you moved out to Wimberley. I know this. Mm-hmm. You moved out to Wimberley um, to pursue more live music mm-hmm. um, and playing more um, with the music crowd that's outside of Austin, which is, um, I don't know, how would you describe that? those people and the, that kind of music scene?
1: Oh, and the music scene that I like to play in, um, we call them just uh, singer-songwriters. The singer-songwriter crowd out in the hill country, just incredible writers, I like absolutely it's kind of a little world of its own. It's wonderful.
3: Like who are the people we're talking about?
1: Um, I play with a guy named Walt Wilkins quite a bit and um, Susan Gibson and Chad Richard, just starting to play with a guy named Alex Koba. He's outside of Houston. Chad is on the other side of Houston, but um, mainly Susan and Walt. So.
3: I guess I want to ask what made you move down to the hill country in the first place?
1: Well, I lived in Fort Worth, um, and I wanted to get away. I don't know if I wanted to get away. I was moving towards something. I know that there's a magical moment that happens on stage, and... It's like when I can feel whatever it is that's bigger than all of us close my eyes, slap my soul on the ground when I'm playing, I feel the specific feeling and I feel that when I'm down here and playing. Yeah. Yeah. And
3: I've seen you perform and I've seen you close your eyes and kind of disappear and not disappear, but like sink into the moment mm-hmm. and perform in a way where I can tell that you're in touch with something.
1: Yeah. And those people are here. Those people are not yeah.
3: in And so... Yeah. I mean, they're, they're, and, the, and you've played with them for a long time, so you move toward kind of the community where you have more access to them and more access to playing in shows. And, yeah. And you have been playing, you know, and, and as, I, as far as I can tell, a lot more since you moved to Wimberley in these kinds of shows
1: yeah yeah i mean i played with them for a decade before i moved down here i think it was just i was single and i don't have kids and it was just why not it's so beautiful i just wanted to move somewhere where i walked out it is so beautiful yeah and there was something beautiful I'm uh, like 1.2 miles from a beautiful river and it's just hilly and way out in the country i just love it it's beautiful so.
3: the I mean the river, so we've been to visit you once, and you you've talked to us about snorkeling in the river, mm-hmm. and you don't you know a lot a lot of people think of snorkeling, they do not think of fresh water, they think of like going out to the ocean and mm-hmm. seeing you know tropical fish yeah. blah blah blah,
4: but yeah,
3: you uh encouraged us to bring our fins and our masks, and we put them on, and we went snorkeling oh, in what? this little area of the spring Fred river. And it is beautiful. And the fish we saw were gorgeous. And there were all these neon, I don't know, Tetras is Uh what I think they are. Yeah. Uh, and bass and like all of these beautiful fish swimming around in the water. So clear. And it is gorgeous.
1: Oh, it's magic because it's so hot. It's a beautiful place. Yeah. It's so hot here in Texas and you can't, I want to be outside. And it, um, the river is actually 68 degrees year round. So it's really nice. And I'll go swim. That's how it's I- beautiful. Yeah.
3: Um, uh, uh, you talk about like kind of being in this small place and being out, you're outside of Wimberley, you know, the 15 minute drive. Mm-hmm. Is that like out from like downtown Wimberley? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is, yeah. And so like when you drive out of town, because you know, we stayed so close to you, you drive out of town and you end up in the woods and it's this kind of like cedar woods and, in the hills and you kind of disappear out Mm -hmm. and so your place is just nestled into all of that and so as all of this coronavirus stuff is going on it isn't changing your day-to-day life at your home very much right
1: right when i walk out my door i can go on a five-mile walk and it's exactly the same. But I am. And
3: everybody's um, talking about like social distancing, and you're like, yeah, I'm, I, that's not a problem.
1: Yeah, that's like, <laughs> welcome to my life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I, um, but uh, I'm a music teacher, I'm a private violin teacher, and all my lessons have been moved online. Um, and the only thing that's worrisome out here is that I only get a specific amount of data for my internet Mm -hmm. and so i have to be really careful with the amount of internet a lot of people don't realize that there are still places that you don't get unlimited internet
3: and you're using the internet right now to talk to me oh my god
1: i am but this is so worth it i've I've read a little bit that they are um not capping the internet anymore i don't know we'll see i I might call them but we'll see yeah (laughs)
3: Well, I know I've read stories, you know, people are talking about like the, the idea of internet access being as critical as, you know, as the utilities that we count on, like electricity and, um, water services and things like that, um, because we're going to be spending so much time using the internet Mm -hmm. isolated from each other Mm -hmm. in, in a physical way.
1: Yeah yeah
3: so I, I I want that to be true. Um, I'm glad that you have lessons that are going online, and but the the performance thing that you love so much that you moved to Wimberley for isn't like how has that changed for you right now?
1: Well, what we're doing, um I'm so glad that I moved here because we're all they're all down here, and for instance, last week, we're doing these online shows. So we get together in the same room, and we just go on Facebook Live, and uh, and we play our shows that way. So um, people
3: are these shows that you would normally have done, yes.
1: Uh-huh. Anyway, mm-hmm. yeah, the ones so far are the ones that were already booked. Um, but I think people are we're melding into um, like Susan and Walt are doing Thursdays. Um, and we set for an, um, I will be playing with, uh, last week I played with Susan Gibson
4: mm-hmm. and a
1: little background, Susan Gibson. She is a great singer songwriter from, uh, Amarillo and she wrote wide open spaces for the Dixie chicks. A great songwriter, amazing woman. Mm-hmm. And then what will, we'll,
3: I love listening to her.
1: Oh my gosh. She's so fun. Um, and so we did our show last week together and we put our Venmo and PayPal information in the link and so people could tip us that way, which really has saved all of us. All of us has saved all the yeah. shows. Yeah. And then for instance, I'll be playing this week and we schedule it so we're not playing at the same time. Which is, you know, nice. So it's essentially we're on the same bill. One person goes from one, we'll put a Facebook event and then people at this time these people at this time. So it's all online. And
3: And so far that's going well, right? Like it's, it's not, it's hard to know day by day how all of this internet play playing is going to go. But in terms of like people being able to pay for shows online the way they might've paid in real life um, or like in real space, that's going okay right now, right? It's just more uncertain of how that's going to go into the future.
1: Yeah, that, yeah. So
3: it's, am I saying that right?
1: It's Yeah. It's good so far. See, I'm just a side person. So I pretty much, well, I've always played with someone with a songwriter mm-hmm. or something. So we can't really do our own shows by ourselves. Although I've been thinking about doing my own, which would be fun um you know play more classical stuff and
3: uh so you're talking when you say side person you've got like these names like Walt Wilkins and Susan Gibson and these names that people would recognize especially in the hill country but throughout the the singer-songwriter mm-hmm. world um and then when they do shows they're surrounded by people like you and other musicians that you're calling kind of like the side people yeah, who I'm wouldn't the headline a show
1: mhm i'm the i play all the um Lead breaks, and I sing a lot of harmony, so Mm I'm a background singer, and I play along with them. And um, so I've been really banking on being able to do these shows, and then now Dallas and Austin have done um, where it's not quite a full lockdown. I don't know why I can't remember exactly the phrase. The shelter in place yes.
3: idea. Yeah. Yeah. Shelter
1: in place. Um, and I've publicized this show to go play with my friend, Chad Richard, on the other side of Houston. And, um, I really hope I can do that. I mean, it's, yeah. it's pretty much one of my only real lifelines out there. You know, I'm, I'm piecing together other things. Um, but as of right now, I can still go. Um, yeah, We'll see how it all happens. So we're just, the rules are changing every day, and we just have to kind of surrender to it all and just do what we can do.
3: It's uh, difficult. I mean, you use the word banking on, you're like banking on it, and you're like literally yeah. banking on it.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um,
3: because, which is like the artist's life.
1: Yes, exactly. So we're pretty um, inventive on it comes to all of that
3: stuff. Okay. Yeah. 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 Okay. So um you talked about like the reason that you love playing on stage and and you know kind of tapping into something bigger than yourself. Um and you've played some of these online shows. Uh do you feel the same way when you're playing an online show?
1: You know it's funny because um I get a lot of my energy on stage from the audience. I would say ninety-five percent of my energy I get from the audience. So it's a little, it is a little bit odd. I kind of just feel the energy of the person I'm playing with or whoever's in the room. So it's a, it's definitely a little bit harder um, because I can, I can really see when I can see the audience, I can see there's, there's just, there is an exchange of energy. I put the energy out, they receive it and they push it back to me. And if you can feel it in the air, um, and that, mm-hmm. that's missing. Um, uh, but you know, I, we're doing what we can do and we're doing our best It feel. You know, what's funny. It feels quite similar to playing in this recording studio. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's funny. Yeah. But, it's,
3: uh, Except people are reacting to it. Like, uh, you know, you can go over to the the computer or the phone and, like, see the, mm-hmm. the reactions and the likes and the smiles uh-huh, and yeah. uh, people's comments and things. Mm-hmm. Um, but I can't, you know, I just... It's hard to imagine, you know, um, however long we're going to be doing this distance stuff. Like, how... You can i mean I, there's a lot of ways to imagine how artists are gonna change all kinds of artists I mean I'm a writer and a podcaster, you're a, a musician um how we're gonna change in terms of how we make a living and how we um how we reach people mm-hmm. uh but it's a different thing to think about, like how you tap into the greater thing, the greater good of it all um and, how, and how, how you connect to people um, and have that exchange. And we're, it feels like we're just at the beginning of those days.
1: Absolutely. I mean, really, I think with the way media is, it's hard to believe what you see on the screen. And all of a sudden, what you see on the screen is all you get, especially on social yeah. media. There's so much panic. And then every so often, you'll see these little, just little sentences of, of just real feeling and you can't help but believe them. And I really hope that we're moving much more towards that. I really think yeah. I've, I've been thinking that, you know, all of the things missing in the grocery store, that just a major panic, I was talking to Tina Wilkins, uh, Walt's wife the other day and how upset she was that people were just acting acting so childish to to and to hoard all these things for themselves and, and I've been thinking the same thing and then it just dawned on me I was like people have not surrendered they've not allowed the grace in yet God grace whatever's bigger than us they're just scared. And as soon as it really turns real, people will have to, they have to surrender to, to this. And to, once everyone can take a deep breath, look back and find something beautiful in this situation, that's when the humanity is going to come through. That yeah. when the real sentences we read on Facebook are going to come through. And we're just all going to, the way we relate to life is just going to mold with that, which I don't think is a bad thing. You know, one thing I've been thinking as well is for so long, we've had everyone is divided into these two parties, three parties or these different religious sects. People just keep trying to find things that make us different. but You know what? Mm -hmm. The universe has given us something. We all have this in common period we have yeah in common and we are going through this and i think that this is the universe's way of pulling us together although we are physically apart we we we're all in this together you know
3: yeah we we're all learning a new way
1: yeah we all have something in common again and i'm so glad yeah it might sound terrible but i'm really Hopefully, people can
3: focus on that. I think whenever there's something bad that happens, we are always encouraged by the way that we see the good in each other Mm -hmm. because it's in such stark contrast.
1: Sure, absolutely.
3: You know, and and I think for some people that feels like a new thing. Mm -hmm. Um, For some people, it feels like a refreshing thing. Mm -hmm. It's always there, but right now it's in such stark contrast to what's going on with this crisis Mm -hmm. that it's a good thing that we're able to see it clearly when the good is right in front of us.
1: Yeah. It's almost like we have to these days. We need it.
3: And, And I keep thinking about, you know in, in this conversation i keep thinking about that beautiful picture that you painted of of energy going out to the an audience mm-hmm. and the audience receiving it and then and then transforming it and giving it back to you mm-hmm. and i think that's the challenge now is how to have that exchange because it's still possible, it's just different. Mm -hmm. Um, And how to do that now and to have that kind of beautiful exchange and what you were saying about like when we finally let grace in, for me that looks like when we finally um, stop looking at our, if we're able to stop looking at just our own situation and really take in the stories of the people around us, in the ways that we can give energy to them and receive energy from them. Mm-hmm. Like that's when something will start to unlock exactly. for all of us. Yeah.
1: I think when people stop trying to save themselves and they start trying to help others, it sounds so obvious, but, but it's, the, the circle will be able to be made. Yeah. You know?
3: People- yeah. I feel like our words are so ina- in- inadequate. It's like,
1: I know, I know.
3: We, we it's not just help it's just it's that grace that you talked about it's yeah. like when you you can give it and you can receive it this kind of this goodness yeah and and if you let it in and you and you send it out that's still possible and that's the way to get through this yep. together
1: yeah yeah we have to keep giving it we have to keep giving it you know yeah. because it will if you give it it will come back you you just can't think about it coming back to you. You just need to give. That's why we're here. Is to give, you know. I have a tattoo on my arm it says if you get give, if you learn teach. You know, it, it's it's just something. And you're doing both you know? with
3: your work.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
3: So, and uh you have to keep playing. Yeah. You you have like it's criti- it's critical that you keep Giving like seeking out that exchange of energy with the people listening to you because yeah exactly we need it
1: yeah you know that just gives me more um hope of me being able to not be so shy and because I've been a (laughs) sidekick in my whole life not be so shy and do a show on my own because I think I've got it decent enough yeah you know it's we need to be vulnerable enough to let the real stuff out so the real stuff can come back you know. Yeah. And, you know, I just, yeah, said, and this I, is the time. He, yeah. You said, I just need to play. So I don't need to be yeah. next. I don't need to be playing with someone else to play and show it. So that gives yeah. me some sense.
3: You, you have so much goodness in you. You just have to keep giving it in every single way. The other thing I've been thinking about a lot is these, like what you go on these walks and we're my family. We live in the middle of the city and there isn't a lot of space around us to go walking without seeing a lot of people. And we're supposed to be keeping our distance. And we have these little kids and we're trying to keep everyone healthy and, Um, you have like the ability to go on walks and see the flowers and go to the river. And so you're sending all these pictures and it's just so nice to get the pictures of the flowers and the river right now. (laughs) And it's such a silly little thing, but it feels so good when I get them. And I'm like, uh, that's another way you're giving that goodness that's in your heart out to other people. And I'm like, and remember I told you you should like put those on Instagram. I think that's why. Yeah. Because there's a lot of people who can't go on that walk right now.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and then it gives me a reason They're to go They're stuck in their apartment. I mean,
3: They're stuck in their high rise. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh. Yeah,
3: that's good. Okay, so um if people want to follow you, where should they go? If people want to see your shows.
1: Uh, you can just go to Facebook. My name is Marion Brackney. Um
3: M A R I A N B R A C K N E Y.
1: Yes. And I am that on Instagram, too. I don't use that as much. But, uh yeah, I post everything on Facebook. Uh,
3: yeah, when you go to Facebook, you can watch, you know, follow Marion and get her live shows. Um, you can also support Marion as an artist on Venmo. What's your Venmo?
1: It is dash Marion-the-middle-brackney.
3: Marion-brackney. Um, support your artist. Support Marion. She's out there playing. She's out there bringing... Um, goodness and humanity into these interactions that we're having online. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, supporting artists right now is critical. So, support Marion on Venmo, check her out on Facebook. Please um, go listen to her shows, they will make you feel so good. And if you're lucky, Marion will also just post the beautiful Texas wildflowers right now, which, if you live in the middle of a city like I do and you're not able to go on walks, will make you feel so nice. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I love you so much. No, you Thanks too. for coming on to do this. Yeah,
1: yeah, absolutely.
3: Next up, we'll hear from Sonny. Sonny and I talked on March 23rd. He's the CEO of the manufacturing software company, Fulcrum. And already his team was working remotely when we talked. He was still going downtown to the office, wiping down elevator buttons and door handles. Sonny talked to me about how he's seen people change in such a short amount of time, and how he's finding hope. Okay, hello. Hi. We're on. We're doing the thing. Awesome. Okay, so thanks for doing this podcast. Um, I have talked to a lot of people, um, you know, kind of going through this coronavirus thing, And my first question for you is kind of what's your life like right now in the middle of all the craziness going on?
2: So I am the only one that's posted up at the office, still collecting mail and checks. Everybody is working from home. Um, Tiff and I drive into work together and use wet wipes to push everything. She screams at me every single time I touch something that isn't sanitized and I try to keep inside my own bubble as much as possible. But is your office downtown? Yeah, it's downtown in the Baker building.
3: Wow. Okay. So you uh yeah, how many people would normally be at the office? Uh
2: at the very most maybe nine. Uh okay. but we have a really remote workforce a lot of our software developers are remote so we hang out on zoom and, and on slack primarily as our communication so that really hasn't actually been that disrupted thankfully
3: so um, so you're you're going downtown you're coming home it's feeling kind of normal except you're not seeing people at the office is
2: yeah we we don't see people they've they've kind of shut down the cleaning services here as well other than like garbage pickup. Actually, this week, uh, last week, I every single time the elevator opened, I would just kind of put my hand out and just give some defensive body language, like, don't come in here. Like, I want to be in the elevator alone. This week, actually, a couple times, elevator doors open and somebody sees me, they like back off themselves. So there's wow. definitely been kind of an attitude change downtown of just people understanding let's not like crowd into elevators together, et cetera, et cetera. So that's, that was encouraging to see.
3: Huh. That's, uh, one, I haven't heard of anyone stopping people from getting in elevators. And two, <laughs> uh, what a crazy change to notice in such a short amount of time. Like that kind of behavior change is pretty wild. For sure. So can you describe your job to me?
2: Yeah, we have two halves of our business. One is, a uh kind of a more traditional software development consulting firm. Mm -hmm. We do digital marketing. We write custom software. uh, We support our customers. And the other half of it, the the vast majority of the business now, 75% of it, is a manufacturing um, platform for medium-sized manufacturers here in the U.S. And um, some overseas as well, but primarily here in the U.S. And that industry is seeing kind of a ton of changes um, in general. Some of our customers are investigating how they can help produce ventilators and, 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 uh, and masks. Others of them are switching from one shift to two or three shifts so that they don't have more revenue. They actually have gone down in revenue a lot of times, Mm. but they want to spread the people out so that there's not more than a certain number of people in a certain area in the shop. And they're buying more small tools. They don't have to share stuff. They don't have any risk there. And, uh, by and large they're being really, really safe, even though a lot of the times most, a lot of manufacturers are in somewhat suburban or rural areas, but still, uh, I think they're taking it very seriously and sent, a lot of them are sending their older employees home, et cetera, et cetera.
3: what's your, what are your work conversations like right now? Do you feel like they're more intense is like, how would you describe kind of the, the attitude and, and kind of emotional side of the conversations that you're having now, if that makes sense?
2: Yeah, I mean the whole gamut from very defeatist and depressed to cautiously optimistic about timelines and things like that. I would say that for me personally I'm like a really blunt person. I I try to talk about the hardest topics as much as possible and do it in a not negative way. So I'm starting conversations about you know the coronavirus topic and and things yeah. like that and drawing things out, but I think it's just a exhaustion from what can only be described as a mid-level not even low level but like a mid-level constant level of anxiety um to the point where it's like nothing is really even shocking anymore it's just my impression is that everybody is refreshing the same new york times website and stuff like that that i am right (laughs) looking at the same johns hopkins coronavirus like dashboard counter and things like that and there's like just a sense of disbelief almost or like Surrealism, like, is this really happening? Are these numbers real? You know, you see pictures and images and you see people debating, you see the, the stock market crashing, but to some extent, it hasn't really been that real. You're, I'm not like, I, I wouldn't say that I know anybody who knows somebody who's died from the illness. So I think because of that, it's still a little surreal.
3: It's almost, doesn't it feel like it's almost like it's like closing in a little bit in terms of those connections, those like degrees of separation from the illness, if that makes sense.
2: Yeah, for sure. And like a little bit faster than you maybe is real or maybe it's, maybe it's not as fast. Like I think the uncertainty of how fast everything's closing in is where that real uncertainty and anxiety lies, right? So
3: I was talking to someone described it like not in terms of the anxiety of it, but in terms of the size of it, like going to see the redwood trees in California, you know, they're just so huge and they're so old and you walk up to them and because you can't even see the top of it, you just, you kind of know that they're big, but you can't really comprehend how big these trees are or how old they are, like the enormity of it. And it almost feels like similar Where it's like, I know this is really big, but
2: it's really hard for me to comprehend how big it is. Yeah, I think that, uh, I don't know the exact number, but humans are kind of maxed out when we try to imagine crowds bigger than a few thousand. You know what I mean? Like our minds just don't really comprehend groups of people Mm -hmm. that are, are that big. And even when we're in large stadiums, it's like hard for us to estimate that it's a 50,000 person stadium or something like that. Right. So Yeah. yeah, the, I think the, the weird realization I've had is we, we literally have this term like going viral, which means that it spreads amongst people from person to person super easily and quickly. But I don't think anybody really has a sense of magnitude for that. Like we're like, Oh yeah, yeah. Everybody knows this video or something like that. But do we really understand that everybody knows this video really means 200 million people know this video right like that number right. is super abstract right
3: yeah and like what do you what can you really do with that information like on
2: right a, right
3: like in a real kind of human level right like it doesn't it's really hard to comprehend um how like do you do you feel that like for yourself that sense of anxiety that sense of kind of creep
2: yeah, I would say so. Like one of the weird realizations is that I don't think I typically feel very much anxiety. Hmm. I know that Tiff says all the time that she's anxious about this or that. and I I really don't feel that, but I would say maybe for the first time in my life, I feel real dread almost not, not dread. Hmm. Like it's not panicky, but it's like always there. Yeah. I was talking to some of our, our customers, especially, those that are a little bit older talking about you know growing up in cold war era times or when tensions and fighting in the middle east started becoming really tense and there's there was this same feeling of glued onto the tv and reading the newspaper every day and and looking for the next update right Mm -hmm. but um i i don't think like this like the the thought of war enveloping things was probably like this feeling, but I don't know. I, I think that this is because of where we are from a like a digital telecommunication standpoint. Probably the first time that I've seen something that's like worldwide event that everybody's kind of galvanized by a little bit, right? So.
3: Yeah, yeah. I'm not. I I can't imagine. I mean, it's hard because uh, I I think this is the first time that this generation of adults, my, you know, our age this age range that we're in has experienced something like this. Mm -hmm. And I'm not sure that our parents would have experienced something like this. So it feels really far removed from, you know, from the kind of dread that someone might've experienced like during one of the world wars or, you know, I don't know. It's, it's very hard to kind of even know if I'm experiencing something other humans have, have experienced before, if that makes sense.
2: Yeah. The only thing that I can kind of relate it to secondarily is like Tiff's grandparents were like depression era Mm -hmm. um, survivors, if you will. And they had this like kind of constant anxiety almost and hoarding mentality that I just didn't understand. But I kind of get it now. Like if this continues for a long time and things get really bad, you can see how that would change your behavior to not really trust in the future as much as we do. Right. Like I think our generation has a huge amount of optimism that might go away significantly if this becomes as big of a thing as we all are afraid of. Right. So,
3: yeah, it's, it's very interesting. Um, I do you, so like with all of that kind of that's hanging on, like how are you getting through the day? Like, how are you kind of, what are you drawing on to get you moving forward and still making productive decisions or, uh, or making decisions that'll take care of you and your family? Like, how are you, where are you drawing on?
2: So I think um, for us as a company internally, there's almost a little bit of shame that we haven't gotten bigger, like we were not able to impact as many customers, like there is some real good that we could do, like our software helps optimize manufacturing processes and, and helps to make like manufacturing super automated. So... We don't have that many customers. Where we don't have, we certainly don't have a thousand customers, right? And there's millions of manufacturers just in the United States. Yeah. And uh, there's this kind of weird pressure. It feels like we really should be doing more and, and offering our, our software for free. But like we're we're so uh, we're growing really fast. But we're it, it could never possibly be fast enough to do the type of um, to have the type of impact that we would have ideally wanted. So there's this almost like a little bit of guilt and shame that we didn't make the choices to be able to impact the the marketplace fast enough mm. to be able to actually get here in time for this. So part of that existential panic, if you will, is that, man, I, I, f- I feel like we have to do whatever we can to uh, to help out. So that, that helps. I think that kind of knowing that there is something to do. I feel really bad for all of my friends who, and I have a lot of friends that are in the restaurant industry, yeah. service industry. Charlie, of course, is, yeah. is 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 at home and and unable to see customers. I think that I have a sense of gratitude that I, I have something that I'm actually allowed to do. So that is something that I draw from as well. And then to be honest, I've been checking social media more, which wasn't something that was important to me before. And I've been calling friends or getting calls from them. I've been really bad about actually doing the calling, but I'm trying to to call more. And I've been actually reaching out to every one of our customers. I haven't even gotten through a 10th of them yet. There's a lot of phone calls to make, but those connections have been really good. Like it's just been good to kind of sit and relate with each other and just listen to somebody else unpack a bit. Right. So, yeah.
3: I haven't heard someone say that like that, but I, I, I have this feeling that the, like the cohorts, whatever, like kind of group that you're in, like any kind of group. So you're talking about like your customers and, and this, you know, kind of transa- something that was transactional and business oriented before has a new depth of humanity to it because you are, you know, reaching out to real people, and connecting to them in a crisis that's affecting all of us.
2: Yeah and there's there's even though there's a tension there obviously their success helps our success and we yeah. are looking at our cash flow and and they're looking at their cash flow and we're all kind of intertwined I I know other people have said well isn't there some sort of tension like what if they say that that they have to like stop doing business with you because they don't have money well If that's the case that doesn't mean they don't deserve human contact or they're not still good people and whatever maybe right we will have to make whatever choices we need to make and they'll have to make whatever choices they need to make and i think being there and being human with them is the best thing to do no matter what they have decision they have to make right this is not a we're, we're not at a point in time where we really need to make horrible decisions yet i mean lots of companies like have but in our little cohort like you said we haven't really been pushed to a point that that's reality but today Boeing announced that their big factory in um, in, in Washington is closing down uh, there's Ford has shut down as well a lot of their uh, plants and, and assembly lines so I think it's starting to happen um, but there, there's still this kind of waiting for the shoe to drop if you will
3: yeah I, I kind of looking looking around to the people that you're connected to in all these different ways, and an understanding that we're all in uncharted territory For sure. together, and that you have—we're all going to have to make hard decisions at some point. But we—we we all want to get through it together, whatever that looks like. I guess. For sure. But it's—it's—it's it's, it's also scary. it's—it's
2: <laughs> it's, it's scaring me. Yeah. Well, yeah, I. I don't. I think you know. Anxiety is the inability to kind of predict your day to day future, right? And depression is your inability to see a positive future. So, you can certainly start to see how these situations and environments can breed both depression and anxiety really, really quickly, right? So,
3: yeah. Um, do you have experiences in your life that you feel like have prepared you for
2: this time? One of my first jobs out of college, I think my third job out of college was working with small businesses right after the recession. So during that time, I visited a lot of failing businesses that ended up failing, right? So um, I, I don't feel that level of despair yet, but in those times, I kind of saw a disproportionately um, sad part of the population. And so I I think that overall, there's still this hope that exists right now of things getting back to normal quickly, maybe the government helping us solve some of the short-term bridging of, of funds and finances. There are some encouraging stories like in El Salvador of the government instituting kind of like a, just like a break, I would describe it just like deleting march april and in may from spreadsheets and just starting all Mm -hmm. of your interest and mortgages and stuff like that in in june again Mm -hmm. i think there are other countries like like china and um like south korea that have successfully slowed the spread to the point where society is kind of normal but there's a lot of uncertainty right like what are we going to do in our country what can we agree on um i think that for the first time in life i'm equally annoyed at all politicians right now (laughs) and i think that's a good thing though right i think that when i'm when i'm talking to customers of ours that are they're they're not they're they're some of them are conservative some of them are are liberal but i think there's just this feeling of like we need leadership like one example that that i give that's kind of a controversial position and i don't know if anybody will agree with me but Had we made like a really bold decision in January, when all the data was coming in from China, when we shut down transport from China, we could have made a really bold decision to say, we're shutting down our borders. We're shutting down all travel inside the country. This is what the World Health Organization epidemiologists recommend. This is what our own epidemiologists at the University of Minnesota and Johns Hopkins recommend. And we're shutting the whole country down for six weeks we're testing everybody, we're isolating them. And then potentially, uh, we don't know what would happen, but potentially we um, have a control of the situation and we can look to Europe and say, actually we acted really well. And this leadership was some of the best leadership that we've had in, in a century and, and could have kind of averted a lot of crisis. But my 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 kind of complaint is that it just feels like people, politicians, leaders in general, myself included, have become kind of cowardly, um, pandering to seeking approval instead of doing the right thing. Right. So,
3: yeah, you can feel, I think you can feel when people are talking about things that just don't matter. It's not resonating. Um, okay, well I will, um, I am going to wrap us up here. Um, But I did want to ask before we get off the phone if you, because I ask everyone, if you have any words of encouragement for anyone listening out there who are feeling some of the things that we talked about—the anxiety and um, and, and and then the worry about the days to come.
2: I would say that we, as a civilization, have a lot of tools at our disposal, a lot of really smart people, a lot of technology, and we're at a stage where we can spread fear and anxiety at the same speed, if not faster than the disease itself spreads. And we can also spread encouragement and uh, connection too, right? And that's a choice that we make. And uh, it's a hard choice from time to time, but I think if everybody calls a couple of their friends and they all call a, a few more of their friends, if we contact with positive interactions as many th- people as th- a, the disease spreading ratio, the, the R not would be right. If if it's three people that you get sick on average and you call four people and, and spread some goodwill by phone and at a you know at a, at a safe um, you know secluded distance, I think we can at least make sure that we're not drowning in anxiety uh, as we're, yeah. we're kind of helping each other and staying strong in solidarity yeah i love that
3: the hope is just as contagious for sure me too in the third part of this episode we're talking to angela Angela and I are great friends, and we work together at the American Refugee Committee, which has since become a light. is working harder than ever, helping a light respond to the pandemic with refugee communities in Uganda, Thailand, Somalia, and more. And when we talked on March 23rd, we remembered how lucky we are to have learned so much from refugees and the communities that support them. Hi, Angela. Hi Brent. Um, thanks for doing this and uh, for ta- you're talking to me from home, right? I am. Yeah, so are you uh, living the quarantine life or the self-isolation life or whatever we're calling it?
0: Self-isolation it is. Yes, I am.
3: Oh. Uh, okay, so um, how's that going for you? What does your life look like right now?
0: Well, uh, looking out my bedroom window a lot. And uh, <laughs> trying to get a, a new perspective on life by changing which side of the room I take calls in this day.
4: <laughs> From oh, day to the
0: next. Um, but thankfully, I did quite a bit of decorating two years ago. So now I'm really appreciating the work that I put into that. Nice,
3: nice. Because I know your work life and you um, don't always get to spend a lot of time at home.
0: That's true. Yes. So
3: this is a huge change of pace.
0: Yeah, very much. I mean, I would say I'm still very busy working, of course, uh, finding some of the same things that happen in my daily life at the office are still happening here, like, you know, forgetting to eat lunch and things like that, because I'm just so busy uh, and don't want to stop what I'm doing. So, yeah, I mean, there's some continuity still working from home, but it is nice to be home.
3: You think so? You're feel. are you feeling that way right now?
0: I do. I actually feel that way. I do wish working from home was under different circumstances, but I actually really love working from home.
3: Um, so we've talked many, many times about our kids. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, and the amount of time that we get to spend with them, you know, which has a lot to do with how much we work, et cetera, et cetera. But yeah, um, how how is it being home all the time with the kids?
0: Yeah, that's been um, very challenging, particularly because I'm working. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I don't I don't think that's a sustainable thing. But uh, I will say, when I have those moments of forced um, be, forcing a break in the day because my kids want me or need me or they're just kind of losing their minds also uh, being cooped up in the house. Uh, It's nice to be able to see what their rhythm is on a day-to-day because I don't have the luxury of seeing them every day of their lives and knowing kind of how they are midday versus, you know, late afternoon, right? So it's been great to see them in their full spectrum every single mm-hmm. day and i'm sure it's very different at daycare but
4: mm-hmm.
0: i feel like i'm getting to know them uh, in a way that i wouldn't have had the opportunity to unless i would have had more time throughout you know these weeks uh, now i i am still on the phone a lot so it's hard to be completely present which i'm working on if i could get into a new routine It would be about finding those moments to be present with them more, uh, Mm -hmm. because I'm I'm trying to. Last week was a whirlwind of just figuring it out, and I didn't get to that pace yet. But this week I'm expecting. Hey, we're going to figure this out, and we're going to make time for each other while I still get my job done, and we're just going to make it work because we have to.
3: It's really funny, isn't it? That like, uh, it can, you know, you're kind of forced to stay home. But it still feels really difficult to get into a rhythm mm-hmm. that where that home time is starting to benefit your family, you know
0: yes, yep, yeah, I mean, admittedly, the drive time that I have every day is two hours, um, and you, would, you know not having that should definitely allow for more space with my kids, and it does, of course, I mean, I think I am getting that time, but it's happening in much more distracted ways right because i jump right into work and then um just have the moments with them or are in between things and it's not the same thing right it's harder actually to be present but my commitment this week is to figure out how to create those boundaries every day because their experience also is something to think about right now i mean they're going to remember this time too, probably. Right. Um, And I want that to be a good, interesting memory. Uh, Maybe, you know, not one where it was like, Oh, you know, mom and dad didn't pay any attention to us at all during that whole time. You know? So I I want
4: them to remember
0: that it was a time that we all had to be home and it was a weird time, but we actually found small joys every single day.
3: What kind of uh, small joys do you anticipate with the kids or have you already had with the kids?
0: Yeah, so we are Zooming actually with their friends. So yeah, so today um, her best friends, uh, Reese's best friends from daycare are also home and they've been home all last week. So they haven't seen each other for a week now and they're all just really missing each other. So we did a Zoom with their family and uh we're going to do another one tonight with the with the other family and we're going to do it all together so it'll be like three families and one zoom call tonight um, yeah so we're excited about that and it's really fun to see Reese uh, have those exchanges with her friends on zoom I feel like it's like the future for her anyway and um her, just seeing their personalities together is also a real a real gift like yeah, just how excited they were to talk today. Everything they're just like divulging about what they did yesterday, what they're going to do tomorrow, right? It's just super cute.
3: It's really fun to see them come alive. Uh, yeah. Phoebe has been Zooming um, with her daycare friends, and she's, you know, younger than Reese enough that it doesn't quite, she doesn't know what to do when she mm. sees her, you know, people that she, you know, her friends and her teachers on yeah. on the screen. She doesn't know what to do. Right. But she's like mesmerized by the fact that they're on her screen and right. that you know, sometimes they'll call out to her and she oh. she's just like so confused but also way into it and Oh, fun. Um it she's slowly getting it. She's slowly kind of understanding. Yeah. Um Yeah. But I hope that it's not like this forever. I want her to just go back to daycare and with her friends.
0: Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, making plans is difficult right now. You know, we want to yeah. be able to say we're going to see you soon, but it's, it's an unknown time and a lot of uncertainty about when it really is okay for everyone to just go on being the way we were. Um, yeah, Yeah. I just think that something long term is going to change. We just don't know exactly what that looks like yet. So.
3: How's that feeling to you, that uncertainty?
0: It just feels... uh, It's hard to explain. Like, I guess I don't know how I feel about it. I feel a sense of loss about not being able to do or think about the future, which is something I've taken for granted that I do all the time, apparently, right? Like, oh, I could just get on a plane and go somewhere, and that was what we were thinking about doing but like now it's like it feels like oh gosh we can't do that or we can't you know we don't know when we'll be able to again or you know you know lots of planning that we just do on a day-to-day just feels like we can't necessarily know that any of those circumstances are going to be there for us so that it's hard i mean on the other hand i feel this like Weird sense of solidarity with all people everywhere, Hmm. right? Like, we're all feeling the same thing, and it's also not just here, it's everywhere. And that actually has, like, a in itself, like, a really, like, almost lovingly, like, has a sense about it that, like, we're all humanity right now together and feeling this big weight of. What's in the future for us? What does that look yeah. like now? And um, I don't know that we'll ever know what that feels like ever again. I mean, this is a really unique, ex- a unique thing that's happened in our life, and maybe never will happen again. So, isn't
3: that, isn't that crazy that it just like it feels like it happened? It was like a week.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: You know, it was like at the beginning of the week, we were all just de- doing normal life. Mm-hmm. And by the end of the week, it felt like everything changed.
0: Yes. Yeah. It, yeah. And I guess that's when a global a, a crisis happens, it happens instant. You know, there's just this yeah. moment where like it's a, it's a defining moment and we had that happen. So yeah, it's, um, something that we won't forget and something I think we're going to learn a lot from. And I don't think life will be completely as usual as we knew it, right? Something will be different.
3: And it's hard to say because it's like, I almost feel like, okay, this is, it's going to be a roundabout way of saying something, but like when I went to the, the only time I've ever been to see like the redwood forest in California and you know they have this giant Sequoia trees and they're so big and they're like a thousand years old and um, they're so big that these trees that you can't it's really hard to get a sense of how big they are like you know mm. that they're big and you're looking at them and they're so mm. huge right but the but it's so big it's so Outside of anything that you've ever experienced before, mm-hmm. that it's hard to even comprehend the bigness, mm-hmm. and this feels like that this this moment in time that we're in. Yeah, like,
0: that's a great analogy. Yeah, that's exactly. It's hard to have a perspective on how yeah. how big this really is in our life,
3: um, and how. Yeah. And how much everything is different or not different mm-hmm. is really hard to put your finger on precisely,
0: yeah, right. And it might be one of those things that we don't fully appreciate until ten years later when we've mm-hmm. like realized how all those changes added up, and yeah. and then you look back and realize, like, gosh, right before that happened, there was a real big difference, yeah, mhm.
3: Do you think that there is anything that has happened to you in your life that has helped you prepare for this moment?
0: Well, on the simple level, you know, going back to the the, the Zoom calls, right? Like
4: Mm
0: -hmm. much of my life and work life have been very... Remote through Zoom through video chats and texting anyway, uh with mm-hmm. our work around the world, so that's something that feels really familiar um and I don't have to have so much adjustment there, where I think that if I didn't have that as my normal work balance anyway, that it would be a harder adjustment yeah um also you're always
3: making calls
0: yeah exactly and like all day long (laughs) all day long email and calls are my business right so i Mm. just like this is uh just doing it from home is is not that big of an adjustment really other than having the kids around and having to really focus differently but also for my kids you know they were very used to talking with me on on whatsapp so mm-hmm. with my travel, you know, so getting on a zoom call with her friends is not also a really big.
3: Okay. That's nice. Yeah. I like, that. like
0: she totally gets how to use it. You know, even my son at two years old has seen me several times through a screen. So like, they're actually quite socialized with the screen, mm-hmm. you know, in person experience. Also the grandparents often do that with them. So, so even for them, it's not even so much of an adjustment. Now there is this feeling of like social connection that I do feel we all feel lost right now without having that real person to person connection. Um, So I think having so much of the screen time is something I'm trying to understand and how much it's like affecting us because I do still feel really alone. Right. I can talk Mm -hmm. to people all day, but there's still this feeling of like, not being able to just give someone a hug or handshake even, right? Like that personal connection that we we normally have and, and appreciate um, is not, you know, who knows when that will come back, where we feel yeah. safe to do that again. Um, and so being kind of who I am, uh, who is, you know, I'm a, real, I'm a real huggy kind of person. So <laughs> I, I really miss like people. I just miss people yeah. and I just want to be, around my people. Um, but it's, it feels lonely in that way. But, but I think, you know, at least I get to talk to people and the rhythm of my normal day to day isn't so different. So I think I've been pretty prepared for a remote experience.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, uh, yeah, it's funny to be in the house this much and there, you know, the weekend this past weekend was, for me kind of shockingly normal Mm. given everything that's going on, you know, like pancakes on Sunday and going outside to kick the ball with the kids and watching a Mm -hmm. movie, Mm -hmm. you know, all that kind of stuff felt Mm -hmm. kind of shockingly normal. But then it was like, um, this, we would get the impulse to maybe go to the grocery store or maybe go out to the park on a normal weekend. Right. And it was like, no, no, we're not doing that. That's, Mm-hmm. And those little, I don't know, it's like hitting a little wall. Yeah. Like I'm wondering how long I have before that really gets mm-hmm.
0: to me. Yes. You know. Exactly. Like just not getting up to go do something. To yeah, really just, or
3: just like stopping to get a coffee on the way into work, you know, or yeah. some stuff like that where it's like the little ways that we take care of ourselves and mm-hmm. give ourselves a little bit of joy, you know, stopping in the grocery store. And, and, uh, I, I love the grocery store is like my chill space, you know, Uh with the young family, you know, to like go to the grocery store and maybe I'll get a drink before I shop. And I'm just like enjoying Mm. myself. Um, you know, those little things aren't, um, you know, we're just not, they're not available to us right now. Yeah. Weird.
0: Or you just have to question it. Like, you know, the mm-hmm. last thing we want to do is bring harm to others. If if we're, you know, I wouldn't want to be exposing anyone to anything. So it's like even, oh, just one run to the store. But actually, we have to think about that now, right? Yeah. And it's just being really careful for the sake of the bigger community is, is something that I honestly don't know how much we've put thought into that on our normal even when we have the normal flu, like we've never really behaved that way.
3: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Do you, um, one thing that you and I have talked about a lot is the idea of like global connections and, and how like we're all the whole world is, is actually all connected, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, have you seen that your work has changed and the conversations that you're having have changed? because of all this?
0: Yeah. I mean, the, there's two things that I'm sensing a lot right now as I'm getting on the phone and and talking with people, there's a lot of fear Mm -hmm. about our own lives. And that's completely understandable because we've been disrupted and who knows when that will end. But the other thing is this, is this, sense that we are all in it together. And I, it's like a, it's a real paradox because on the one hand, everyone wants to help, but there's all this like fear about what, what am I able to do at this point? Like, I'm also feeling I'm in an emergency situation. So, you know, to have that understood that i'm calling about an emergency to people will you support people around the world that need to prevent this disease from getting to them because if it does it will be drastic um even more than maybe what we're experiencing right but
3: yeah and you're what, talking about people in like refugee camps, refugee and,
0: camps yeah i mean yeah we The close proximity of living quarters and the lack of equipment and really basic medical care would never be able to handle, you know, any cases the way that we are, even and even we're in trouble with with the amount of resources we have. Yeah.
3: Here in the U.S., yeah, we're talking about enough having first, for yeah. instance, enough respirators, Yeah, you know, for people having breathing problems yes. because of pneumonia. And in yeah. the refugee settings, like you're probably talking about a place that doesn't have a respirator at all.
0: Yes. And that's that's um, the truth. Yeah, there isn't yeah. any. Yeah. So how to respond to a spread there is going to, I mean, hasn't happened yet, but we are afraid it will happen and it's getting closer. So we're on the front lines of that. And as I'm calling people to to ask for support, there is this, this um, conversation that happens about the fear that we're feeling in our own community, like, well, we're in emergency too. And I feel I'm in an emergency situation, you know, financially, but also you know medically, maybe, or even my loved ones yeah. might be suffering right now, so there's there's um it's it's a hard one because I've never been on phones for an emergency where we are directly involved in it right yeah. where we're we're also experiencing that emergency so and also, I've thought about it with my own family. Here I am working really hard to to be focused on my work which is to respond to this emergency but feeling also gosh my family also needs me to pay attention because they might be feeling that something is different and they and they they know the kids know that there's something different they can't go to school yeah. they can't they can't see their friends and we talk about why but so it's it's like this needing to be present to our own emergency but also be there for everyone else who needs our help is, it's a, it's a big lift and we have maybe never been in a place uh, like that at a time like that before.
3: Yeah. Not in our lifetime and not in most of the communities yeah. that, that we know. I mean, certainly American communities have been in the middle of emergencies, Yeah, you know, during a, a corresponding emergency somewhere else, but this is the same mm-hmm. emergency affecting everywhere. Yeah. You know, right. That's, it's totally different than say, you know, one community mm-hmm. having their own kind of geographically located emergency, like a hurricane or a, yeah. um, a fire or something. Right. You know,
0: yeah. Where there's resources that can come in because they're standing strong and aren't facing that same, you know, stress. Mm-hmm. Right. But, yeah, this is like stress felt everywhere. There's nobody who's escaping it, right? Everyone in the world is feeling this, and yet there are people who really need the help of others. So yeah. it's, you know, who can, who can do that? And so we all have to find it with ourselves to to make to do it. And, and it's, there is enough people, there's enough abundance in the world to make it happen. It's just, um, it's a scary time. Yeah. scary time. And there won't necessarily be enough equipment. And I think what we're learning, like resources are limited for health equipment and frontline workers. And so we really do have an emergency worldwide. Um, that's, that's real and, um, preventing for us right now in the places that we work, um, in Africa and Asia, um, is all about prevention. And we've, we ha- we've we got more information than we did, you know, a month ago about this disease. So h- what can we do with that information to prevent as much as we can um, of the spread?
3: I um, I just think a, a lot about the refugee communities that we've worked in. Mm-hmm. And uh, we've, you know, I've talked about it so many times that there's so much power in the in a, in these communities that we've worked in of people who've been displaced by disaster mm-hmm. and i just think you know how have we seen how have we seen help um, and aid come from refugees themselves and what unlocks that because we're in the middle of an emergency and mm-hmm we certainly have the power still to help in the same way that we've seen refugees reach out to help in the Mm -hmm. middle of their own emergency. Yeah. So it's Mm a, it's like a complicated human puzzle, but we've seen Mm -hmm. it happen.
0: Yes, absolutely. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. And there is pictures even today, uh, Brent, I don't know if you've seen them, but on our WhatsApp feed, still coming in from Uganda and other places of, As the information is getting to people living in refugee settlements, they're already making their water stations outside their home to serve their neighbors, and they're really Mm -hmm. trying to just come together. And so information is powerful. Uh, When people Mm -hmm. get it and they understand what needs to happen, they move and they take actions to protect their community. And we're seeing that happening, even without the prompt.
3: Because I always, I keep thinking about like, what have I learned from refugees that, um, that I need to call out of myself now, mm-hmm. you know?
0: Yeah. Yep. Well, um, and we see so many people doing things. I mean, in the U S right now, so many people are coming to support their neighbors and family and friends. I mean, it's just all hands on deck feeling no matter where yeah. you go, right? Right here in our own neighborhood. I mean, today we had someone drop off lunch at our front door um just because and that's amazing. And it's it was one of our neighbors, but you know, they just rang the doorbell, dropped some food and and left.
4: <laughs> wow.
0: Yeah, so I it's just been a really uniting experience around the world. Um it's, you know, so that that for me has been A real blessing to experience and i and i feel i don't want to forget how we all understood our place in this world when we had this kind of crisis happen but yeah um there was a quote coming from haiti actually that somebody sent me that you know standing next to a hand washing sign and this person said it's a reminder that we are all Living on a small planet together, hmm. right? And he, like we're all human beings living on one small planet. And sometimes I think we forget that—that that we need to take care of ourselves, of our environment, of our of our community. And at a time like this, we we are starting to learn that lesson again. Like we are coming together, and we're starting to root down into what's important. Absolutely. Yeah
3: so any other words of encouragement or or hope you want to to say before we wrap up our call
0: i just you know be keep on keeping on and we will get through this i think we are going to be stronger as a people going forward and that is is hopeful for me and i hope others feel that too and to just, um, not be afraid to reach out and make a new routine. Um, I think we're all meant to learn something about our own life in the middle of all this. Yeah. And whether it's, you know, having those conversations on zoom or watching a music concert, on, you know, in your living room, uh, on Facebook live, you know, whatever it is, um, that you enjoy doing just do it uh, differently now and, and and set a new routine to still experience the joys of life um, and support artists and people who really need that support right now to just find them and to be really um, proactive about continuing um, and all the things that bring us joy and recreation, right? Because there's a lot of people who are, Um, in the service industries and artists and entrepreneurs who are who are really in a a tough place because the front you know the 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 storefronts are shut down but we have got this beautiful gift called technology that we've had and is now really is it's the way of life for us right now and it's showing its power um, to help us navigate our lives and um, so I just I think as much as we can uh, navigate and find your routines through that platform, it's um, really going to be cool to see what comes out of all that.
3: Thanks, Angela.
0: Thanks, Brent. Thanks for inviting and me. we'll talk
3: again soon. Yeah. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. And thank you, Angela, Sunny, and Marion for connecting with all of us and sharing your story. If you feel like someone you know might feel comforted by hearing how everyday people are getting through these tough days, please share this podcast with them. And if you, dear listener, want to be part of this podcast, go to heybrentlove.com and tap coronavirus podcast on the menu or find me on Instagram at heybrentlove and send me a direct message. I can't wait to talk to you. Here's a bunch of love to everyone out there. We'll get through this together.